And this is how we find the description. Earth are in the place of the feet of the Lord. Heavens in the place of the head of the Lord. So, thus we see that these gods are looked upon as different limbs of the Lord. Just as in our own body also, there are um, different functions are performed by different organs of perception and organs of action in the mind. So, eyes perform one function, ears perform another function, hands, legs, all of these different limbs perform their respective functions. And how they are the aspects of limbs of my whole being, similarly also these various gods were looked upon as the limbs of the Lord. Thus each limb has its jurisdiction and has the knowledge, but not the total knowledge. Also, now when Lord says that all the gods do not know me, what it means also is, let us say God means the organs of perception. Let's say in my case. This is applicable to the individual level as well as the cosmic level. At the individual level also we say it, all these different organs are, they perform their respective functions. Now, the eyes are also God, inasmuch as sun resides in the eyes, the directions reside in the ears, the fire resides in the speech, Vishnu resides in my faculty of motion, so different gods are said to reside in my being also and performing the different functions. But then, these eyes, ears, the organs of perception, they cannot know the self. They are all directed outwardly, they know their respective objects all right, but they cannot know the one that illumines them. So here Lord Krishna is say, talking, uh, saying as the very self. So Lord Krishna says, even these gods, this, at the individual level, the eyes, ears, hands, legs, all of these, they do not know my glory. I am the one because whom their glory is. The eyes are able to see because of me. The ears are able to hear because of me. The legs and hands and all these limbs can perform their functions because of the self. And therefore, they have the fraction of the glory of the Lord, but then they do not know the total glory of the self. They cannot objectify the self. Self is their very content. Similarly, at the cosmic level also, that because of it the sun shines, because of it the air blows. Bishasmad vata pavade, bishodeti suryaha, bishasmad chendrasya. Upanishad says, the one because of whom the wind blows, because of whom the sun shines, because of whom the fire burns, because of whom all these different devutas perform their respective functions. So all of them have, no doubt, they are all very powerful ones, and still they know only a fraction of the total majesty of the Lord. In that sense also we can say that these gods do not know my glory is my majesty. <coughs> and the reason why I am saying is, this will have reference into the subsequent discussion that we are going to have. As I said, in the third verse, Lord Krishna said, Loka Maheshwaram, I am the great Lord of all the beings of all the worlds. So, first of all in the verses 4 and 5, which also we read, again we read them, Lord Krishna says how, as the very self, he is a Loka Maheshwara, he is a great lord of the internal world. And then he will tell us how he is a great lord of the external world. So let us read the fourth and the fifth verses also. Buddhir Jnana Masam Mohaha Buddhir Jnana Masam Mohaha Kshama Satyam Damashyamaha Shama Satyam Damashyamaha Sukham Dukham Bhavo Bhavaha Sukham Dukham Bhavo Bhavaha Bhayancha Bhayamevacha Bhayancha Bhayamevacha 
अहिंसा समता तुष्टि अहिंसा समता तुष्टि तपोदानम यशो यश तपोदानम यशो यश Internal world consists of different thoughts, emotions, different dispositions of mind. And Lord Krishna says, all of them, they arise from me. Meaning that, I alone manifest as the different thoughts, different feelings, different dispositions in the minds of all the living beings. What are those different dispositions? All of them. But here, Lord Krishna lists some of them, which are useful with reference to the knowledge that were specific tendencies or specific thoughts or specific dispositions are listed here by Lord Krishna. Not that he is confined only to this, but they are specifically mentioned here because they have a role to play with reference to knowledge. So in the fourth verse, Lord Buddhihi, Jnanam, Asammohaha, Buddhihi. Buddhihi means the, the intellect, the capacity to understand, the capacity to discriminate. <coughs> Sukshmadi Arthavodhana Samarthyam. So that capacity that the mind has to be able to discriminate between right and wrong, between dharma and dharma, between self and non-self. Ultimately it is buddhi that carries out the discrimination. Discrimination means separation. So buddhi has a subtle capacity to separate or discriminate. Which capacity of discrimination ultimately extends to discriminating between the self and the non-self. That buddhi, Lord Krishna says, I am that buddhi. Jnanam. So buddhi is a faculty. And from that what arises? Jnanam or the knowledge. So there is knowledge that we have. Knowledge of the objects of the world. As well as knowledge of the internal things. As well as knowledge of the self. What we may call the secular knowledge as well as the spiritual knowledge. All the knowledge is born in buddhi in the intellect. Lord Krishna says that intellect, the very capacity also I am. As well as the knowledge that is born of that capacity, that also is born of me. Asammoha. Asammoha means clarity. Sammoha. Sammoha means delusion. Aviveka. Moha means aviveka. Taking one thing to be other than what it is, is called moha. Viveka is an understanding thing as it is. Knowing the rope as rope, knowing snake as snake, is called viveka. Discrimination. Aviveka, taking rope to be snake, or sometimes snake to be rope, that also can happen. Also, all the time we give the example of rope and snake. It can be the other way around also, which will be much more dangerous. So, Vedic Shalaman gives that example also, uses this. That one, that this person, this ignorant person, takes the snake to be rope. What is meant there is so many things which appear to be innocent, ultimately they bind you, create a lot of problems. Anyway, so not understanding a thing for what it is, so 
Sometimes dharma, the righteous thing is taken to be adharma. And sometimes adharma is taken to be dharma. Thus whenever my mind is overcome by passions such as anger, greed, lust, at that time my viveka, the discriminatory capacity goes away and I cannot make the right judgment. My mind makes distorted judgments. Let's call moha, asammoha, the opposite of it, meaning the capacity of the mind to make the right kind of judgments. So when I meet with various situations, then to be able to judge the situation in the right way and also to make, take the action, the right action, as the situation demands, this capacity is called asammoha. Lord Krishna says, that also is due to me. Kshama, Kshama means accommodation, composure, forgiveness. You know how Kshama is defined? Akrushtasya, Tayatasyava, Adhikrata, Chittada, not being perturbed. Being able to maintain a state of mind that does not get perturbed under any conditions. Akrushtasya, when I am abused. Tayatasya, when I am assaulted. So that is, you know, it, it, we can maintain the equanimity of mind or we can maintain, you know, a, 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 a tranquility of the mind under variety of conditions, but the extreme conditions are present there. Even when one is abused, even when one is assaulted, then also to be able to maintain that, equan- that tranquility of mind, the mind is not perturbed. This quality is called kshama. Kshama means forgiveness, accommodation. To be able to accommodate somebody who is abusing. As Swamiji was saying very interestingly, As Swamiji, I am very sensitive to the feelings of other people, but other people are not sensitive to my feelings. And therefore I get hurt. When they do not respect my feelings, I get hurt. So it was very nicely said that that shows rather a lack of sensitivity. That I get hurt also shows a lack of sensitivity. In what sense? I am not sensitive to the fact that he is not sensitive, you know? How about that? <laughs> to be able to be, to be sensitive to the fact that the person is not sensitive and to never accept that, yes, a person may not be sensitive. Accept meaning to be able to accommodate that, to be accept, that is also all, that is also in order. That a person is not sensitive also is in order. But he is abusing me, it is because he is not sensitive. So that it is in order that somebody can abuse me after all because that is his, the person's problem who abuses me, not my problem. But then anyway, the reason why I get perturbed is because I impose that upon, uh, that impose that problem upon me. When somebody abuses me, why should I get perturbed? Somebody says, da donkey, suppose somebody tells me, you stupid, somebody tells me. I get perturbed. Why? If I am sure that I am not stupid, why should I get perturbed? But I get perturbed because of my own doubts about what I am. And I see that probably there is some truth in what that fellow says. Really, that's what makes me perturbed. But anyway, here is a person who remains unperturbed. Tremendous amount of accommodation. We don't expect it from ourselves. But this capacity, everybody has it to some extent. Everybody has this capacity to some extent. I mean, there are people whom we accommodate to any degree. Sometimes when we are attached to somebody, and when, you know, or then it seems that we cannot say anything wrong in that person at all. Everything is okay. The whole world sees what is this Swamiji doing, you know? But then Swamiji finds everything is fine. Sometimes when I'm attached, I might, you know, I cannot say anything wrong anywhere. And so, that time we seem to accommodate everything. My son can do no wrong. Even if he commits a theft, oh, my son, you know, 
how smart he is. He can do that also. <laughs> he, he, he uses bad words. Oh, my son has learned new words now and things like that. So sometimes, so how when that kind of a thing is, how when love is there, how we can accommodate it? When my little child comes and assaults me, nothing happens to me. Because that love is there. Anyway, so that Shama, Shama is that capacity not to be perturbed under even provoking conditions. When there is all the reason to be provoked, there is all the reason to be provoked. Now, he deserves it. There is reason to be provoked and still I do not get provoked. That is called Shama. So all of these are presented here as the dispositions that a seeker of knowledge should cultivate. That's why although Lord Krishna doesn't say it in those words, but the reason why these things are listed here, that I am these things, meaning that when these dispositions manifest in our mind, that means Lord's divine form, sattvic form is manifesting. There are other dispositions also. There are all dispositions which are manifestations of Lord. But specifically, these dispositions are mentioned because these are the ones that the student should cultivate. Kshama. <coughs> Satyam. Satyam is truthfulness. Basically, truthfulness in speech. That is interesting. One can be truthful and still not truthful. Sometimes people can be smart, you know. Not only politicians, but people are very smart. They speak truth all right. And still they do not. Sometimes you can speak truth in such a way that other person gets misguided. There are clear ways of you know, using words so that you can always say that I said this. However, it can be interpreted differently. And you know that the other person is likely to interpret differently. And that's why you are, you are doing this. So sometimes people speak truth alright. But the intention is not to convey truth. Intention is to confuse somebody. Or intention is to convey something quite different then that will not be called speaking truth. At least as Shankaraja explains here, yatha drushtas as I have seen, yatha shutas as I have heard, yatha atmanuhas as I have experienced, as I have seen, as I have heard, as I have felt. Parabuddhisankrante. So when I want to communicate, communicate what I have seen, communicate what I have heard, communicate what I have felt, then I use the words as they represent exactly what I have seen or heard or experienced or felt so that the other person also gets the same message then it will be called speaking truth not merely speaking truth but making sure that the other person also understands the same thing that I understand so speaking truth is not merely confined to the words but also the way intention that my intention also is very clear. This capacity, this is called Satyam. Lord Krishna says, that also, I am Damaha. Damaha, restraint in behavior, that's the translation, Damaha. Meaning, restraint with reference to the organs of perception, organs of action. So, self-control. Self-control is reference to my action. Self-control is reference to uh, my conduct, that is called Damaha. Mahyendri <coughs> Upashamaha. So there is a tranquility at the level of sense organs, which means the sense organs follow what I want them to do, that is called Damaha. Shamaha Antahkarasya Upashamaha. Samaha is mastery over the ways of thinking, that's a translation. That means the mastery over my mind. Damaha, the mastery over sense organs. Organs of action and organs of perception. 
Never heard. That my eyes see what I want them to see. My ears hear what I want them to hear. And they don't hear when I don't want them to hear. My legs go where I want them to go. My hands do what I want them to do. My speech says what I want it to say. This will call Dhamaha. And Shama is my mind thinks what I think it should think. That is mastery over my ways of thinking. That is called Shamaha. A tranquility of the mind. So that is called Shamaha. This is also Dhamaha, Shamaha, Sukham. Sukham means happiness, <coughs> pleasure. Dukham Sandhabaha. Sukham is pleasure or happiness. Lord Krishna says, that also I am. You know what is, uh, what is the one primary cause for happiness? The experience of happiness. Just that we are talking about happiness here. I thought I may spend a minute on that. Somebody was telling me, Swamiji, Moksha is all right. You know, this is, is okay. I have not seen anybody yet, you know, uh, being liberated. It seems, at least for me, it seems to be far away, he says. So rather than worrying about moksha and doing all these things, why not I surround myself with the various objects of pleasure and I enjoy? After all, moksha means happiness, uninterrupted happiness, all right. Suppose I surround myself with a number of objects, and if I can get interrupted happiness, bits and pieces of happiness, that's all right. So, uh, that's, is, that, is that okay? So why not rather I do that? Moksha seems to be a far-fetched goal which I don't think I can ever achieve. This is an achievable goal that I can have around myself all the objects of pleasure. So question is, that is it the object of pleasure that gives me pleasure? What is that gives me happiness? What is that gives me pleasure? Not even going to the extent of saying that Atma gives me happiness, okay? Even before that, what is it that helps, enables me to be able to enjoy something? As they will, ex- they will explain, it is dharma asadhara karanam. When my mind is favorably disposed, when my mind is favorably disposed to something, then I can enjoy that thing. Is it not so? Even a cup of coffee, when can I enjoy? When my mind is favorably disposed to that. So that favorable disposition that I enjoy, at a given moment is what assures me the happiness. So what is that bring about favorable? So the music I am listening to. Music may be wonderful, but my mind must be also available. So even if I, I surround myself with objects of pleasure, there is no guarantee that I will be able to get pleasure out of them unless my mind enjoys a favorable disposition. But is, what is the guarantee? What the disposition of my mind will be next moment? I can't control. So what is that brings about the disposition? Is the fructification of what we call dharma or some virtuous action. So make a note of this, it's very important. That happiness is the result of fructification of some virtuous deed of the past. It is not the result of an object. It is not the result of anything. Because objects can be there and still I may not be able to enjoy it. As we know, that a moment of happiness is a chance actually. It is not something that I can wield or I can will or I can control. It is something that happens. So what makes it happen? Oh, let us say that if I want to assure happiness for myself in future, what should I do? Should I surround myself with all kinds of objects of pleasure, 
so that I can guarantee my happiness? Or rather, what should I do? I would say that, rather, spend your time and energy in doing good things. Even if I don't want to worry about moksha and self-knowledge, I just want worldly pleasure. Even then, the means of gaining even the worldly pleasure is what we call dharma. Dharma means righteous action, virtuous action, punya karma, virtuous action. And that is what will assure me even what we call the material happiness. Of course, that virtuous action can be performed with two intentions. Either I can perform punya karma like charity, like serving, like worship, so many things. Any any kind of an action where myself is offered in some ways, some selfishness is offered. Myself is offered in some way that would be called virtuous action. That can be performed to assure myself of the material pleasure. Or if I do not seek material pleasure as a result of that, then what will happen? Then that very same action will bring about an inner purification and will become a means of knowledge. But the only way to assure happiness or even material pleasure is dharma or the virtue. Unfortunately, this thing is lost. This is not known. It is taken for granted that more I have, more happy I would be. And therefore, people just run after things. So they want to acquire more and more so that they'll be happier and happier. But there is no such equation. What is the equation? The equation is when my mind enjoys favorable disposition, that is when I am happy. And what brings about that? It is dharma or punya karma that brings about. So this is what we can teach ourselves and this is what we can teach our children. That fellows do what you want to do. But if you want to be happy, then do this. If you want to be famous, fine. If you want to be wealthy, okay, then you have to do something. So means of acquiring wealth is one, means of acquiring fame is one, means of acquiring power is one, but means of acquiring happiness is this. Means of acquiring happiness is dharma or punya. In short, when I find myself happy, I can be sure that there is a result of rectification of some punya karma. By the same token, when I am unhappy, what's the reason? reason? Again, unhappiness comes. I can't control it. I can't get rid of it. I can't will that my mind should not be unhappy. It just happens. What's the reason? Papa karma. So, again, some kind of way, if I am if I'm unhappy, that has to be accepted as a result of some kind of vicious action we have performed. Oh, Swamiji, that's what you are telling me, vicious? Now, you are telling me papi? Now, somebody will tell me. It's not so. The idea is that it's not to jail ourselves. It's what to do. At the present now, we, we can't do, I mean, we can't help what has happened in the past. But this is meant to help us to conduct ourselves at present. That if I want to avoid unhappiness in future, avoid papa karma. Want to assure happiness in future, always pursue punya karma. <coughs> but anyways, to come, Allah, the pleasure, to come, the opposite of it, which is what? The displeasure, pain, Lord Krishna says, that also I am. Happiness also I am, unhappiness also I am. Bhavaha, bhava means creation, udbhavaha. Abhavaha, the opposite, that means the destruction. Bhayam, fear, abhayam, the opposite of that, that is the fearlessness. All of these, Lord Krishna says, are from me. 
Apart from me means what? I am the material cause. See, the Lord Krishna is the fifth case, Mattaha, from me they are born. So that fifth case is often used to denote the material cause. Lord Krishna says, I am the material cause for all these thoughts. Just as clear will say, I am the material cause of these pots and pans and dolls and whatever it is. Or the gold can say, I am the material cause for various kinds of ornaments. So Lord Krishna says, I am the material cause for all these various thoughts arising in your mind. <coughs> Continue the fifth verse, Ahimsa. Ahimsa means Pranayam Apida Ahimsa. This is the harmlessness, not harming anybody. Ahimsa. But of course, it is a universal value, Ahimsa, non violence. Every other value can be said to be modification of one value, non-violence. Even truthfulness is non-violence. The modification of non-violence. Non-violence practiced in different situations will call be different values. Even kshama, accommodation also is nothing but manifestation of non-violence. So, ahimsa, non-violence. Samata, equanimity, samachittada. That is a mind that is that enjoys freedom from attachments and aversions, likes and dislikes. That's called samatha, equanimity, the sameness of the mind, which is mind is not pulled apart by the opposite forces of attachments and aversions. Tushtihi, tushti means contentment, santosha. Contentment in two ways. Contentment is labheshu. Contentment is reference to what comes to me. Contentment. So, uh, as Shankaraja also says, Nurujahihi dhanagama trushnam kuru sadbuddhim manasavitrushnam yallavase nijakarmopattam vittam tena vinodaya chittam Hey, whatever wealth you get is the result of your honest effort. Be happy with that. So that is called la santosh tushtihi santoshah contentment with whatever comes to me. Also, contentment with reference to my pleasures and enjoyment. That is also called contentment, santosha. So, contentment is a reference to what I get. That's the one of the great values even Dharma, Yoga Shastra also asks us to cultivate. <coughs> In Yama and Niyama. So, one of the Niyamas is santosha, contentment. Moment we talk of contentment, I'm sure half a dozen people will ask this question, Swamiji, but if everybody is content, how there will be progress in the life? That's okay. This is the value that is being told to a spiritual seeker. That fellow is not told contentment. For a person who wants material achievements, contentment is not a value perhaps. But for the person who is seeking spiritual growth, contentment is a value. Contentment with what I have, fine. I'm satisfied with what I get, with my honest effort. Satisfied with what I enjoy, what comes to me, I am satisfied with that. So when a sadhu goes for bhiksha, for example, then this is very important. Santoshah, praptena santushyadam, Shankarajara says, vidyashat praptena santushyadam, giving instruction to these mendicants. When you go for bhiksha, bhiksha andehi, oh, oh, lady, please give me bhiksha. Santosha, whatever comes. So for sadhus, not this kind of sadhus, because we get what we all in the dining hall, but those sadhus who go off a viksha, they are totally at the disposal, at the mercy of the people who give them. And then also there is a rule, 
that you can go to five houses, you can't go to million houses, you know, otherwise you say, I will go to any number of houses until I get what I want, no. Just go to five houses. And then be content with what you get. Vidivashat praptena santushatam Whatever you read, whatever prarambha, whatever fate brings on your way, be content with that. <coughs> that will save a lot of expenditure of energy in other things. Idea is, it will help me to conserve my energy. Because asantosha, discontentment will keep on driving me to get what I do not have. Person who doesn't have, that's a greed. Greed always drives me to keep on achieving what I don't have. That means I cannot enjoy what I have. Whether I keep my mind on, I focus on what I do not have, or focus my mind on what I have. There's a long list of what I have, and a much longer list of what I do not have. It's up to me. But as far as the spiritual seeker is concerned, santosha, tushtihi, contentment is a value. <coughs> Ahimsa, samata, tushtihi, tapaha. Tapaha means austerity, religious disciplines or austerities. Indriya Purvakaha, Sharira Pidam, disciplining the body and the sense organs, that is called austerity. So, deliberate self-deprivation, deliberate self-deprivation, that is called tapah austerity. I have enough food, but still I declare, today is Ekadashi, I will observe fast once a day, I am not going to eat in the evening, or I will observe fast for the whole day, Janmashtami. That's the day, birthday of Lord Krishna, I will observe fast for the whole day. That's the tapaha. There is enough food. And I have enough hunger also. That's why I can eat and sit deliberately. This is for disciplining my body, disciplining my sense organs, disciplining my mind. That's called tapaha austerity. That's also a value. Not punishing me, not mortifying my body, but disciplining. <coughs> so, spirit, religious austerities, in every culture it is there. Religious austerities of different kinds. Tapaha. Dhanam, charity, and so, charity. Then the distribution of what you have, distribution of wealth to the people who are deserving. So the people who are deserving at a time which is appropriate, in a place which is appropriate. Deshe, Kalecha, Patrecha. In an appropriate place, at appropriate time, to an appropriate person, giving or distributing what is needed by that person is called Dhanam or charity. <coughs> Just any giving is not charity, but giving to appropriate person at appropriate time and when according to the need, that is called charity. Or according to my capacity, within my capacity. <laughs> if I am a millionaire and I just hand out one dollar, now that may not be called charity. But if I have only five dollars in my pocket, I give one dollar, that will be definitely a lot of generosity. So in, in keeping with my capacity, that giving is called charity. Yasaha, the fame, fame that comes to a person on account of doing good things, that's called yashaha, fame. Ayashaha, ill fame, the fame that comes to a person. <laughs> so, you can have a, we can have a picture on the front page of New York Times for two reasons. Either because I did something wonderful, I'm a Nobel laureate, or the other way around also. I did some, what they call, uh, high-profile crime, you know. So, people who get publicity, high-profile. Anyway, that's called ayashaha, ill-fame. So, Lord Krishna here describes some very, you know, a few things. So, bhavanti bhavaha bhutanam, all these bhavaha, all these various dispositions that the beings have, mattaheva prasangvidaha. How come different people have different kinds of dispositions? So, depending upon their karma. 
So different dispositions. That's another interesting thing also. What will deter- what determines the next thought that arises in my mind? Karma. Any thought that arises in my mind is determined by karma. And so different people have different kinds of dispositions because the karma, the actions that I perform are different kinds. In my mind also the different disposition is different different times depending upon what kind of karma fructifies. So all these various dispositions arising in my mind. That means my internal world. Lord Krishna says, it is there all from me. Which means that, hey Arjuna, I alone appear before you in your mind in form of all these various stars. And therefore, I am that great controller from whom, from whom the whole inner world is. <coughs> and so this can be a nice meditation. I can observe my thoughts and I can say, Lord is dancing before me in the form of these various stars. Even fear comes, that's also Lord. Bhayanam bhayam bhishanam bhishananam. Bhayanam, he is the one from who is the fear of the fear. Vishanam Bhishanam, he is the one who is fright of the frightening, you know. And therefore he dances before me in all these various thoughts. Lord Krishna is known to be for its dance. It's called Nataraja also. So Natavara, he's an exalted dancer. So dances in my mind in the form of all these various thoughts. It doesn't matter what the thought is. It doesn't matter what the form of dance. Important is who dances. So Lord Krishna says, all the thoughts, all of them arise from me. <coughs> In short, I am the prakriti, I am the material cause from the inner world, for the inner world. And the sixth verse, Lord Krishna explains how he is the material cause for the outer world also. Maharshaya Saptapurve Maharshaya Saptapurve Chattvaro Manavastaha Chattvaro manavastaha madbhava manasa jataha madbhava manasa jataha yesham lokai maaf prajaha yesham lokai maaf prajaha Now, describing how he is the cause of this external world also, Lord Krishna says, now this is being said in the in the language of the Puranas, in the language of the mythological literature or the Vedic literature. <coughs> so when we, when we read Puranas, Puranas is the mythological literature. We read the accounts of the creation in many ways. But one way the creation is described is that in the beginning of creation, so the Lord creates some special human beings who are endowed with very special powers. And from them then come out the, the results, the creation of the rest of the universe. Of all the living beings, humans and other living beings, all of them originate from them. Thus in the beginning of creation we read these accounts that special beings endowed with very special powers are first brought into existence. How are they created? Manasaha, Jataha, all of them are born of my mind. That means that creation does not, is all it requires is sankarva, just a thought. So let us say that in the cosmic world, a thought arises and the thought manifests as the being. Just as the dream. You know we find, we experience the dream world. 
and that all the objects and things which are in the dream world are nothing but the manifestations of my thoughts. So how we know that in our dream, how our thoughts manifest as the dream world? Similarly also what we call this waking world is nothing but the manifestation of what we call the cosmic thought. So my individual thought gave us to my dream world, we can say that these thoughts in the cosmos, they give us to this external world. And therefore the very first creation is what we call Manasa, is just creation in the level of mind, by Sankalpa. Sankalpa is by the will, and so by the will the creation begins. <coughs> Maharshaya, Sattapurve, Chatvaraha, Manavaha, Tathaha. So Sapta Maharshaya, the seven Maharshis, so those who are brought up in India, they will know the Saptarshis, seven Rishis. And these seven Rishis also vary depending upon every cycle, they are different. But one in one of the, uh, the seven Rishis, according to one account, are Bhruvu, Marichi, Atri, Pulastya, Ulaha, Kratu, Vasishtha. Now great sages. Seven Maharshi, seven great sages. All of these sages are, so it's called Rushi, Rushanti, Jananti. Those who know are called Rushis. And so these Rushis or sages are all knowing beings. That means knowledge is their primary characteristic. They are called Rushis or the sages. Lord Krishna says, these seven sages were first created by me, Manasaha Jataha, they were creation of my mind, my own will. Then Manavaha, again there are Manus, what we call Manu, so those who are actually the, the kings or those whose job it is to maintain the dharma. So these two kinds of beings are created. The Maharshis and the sages, sages are those who know. And generally we associate knowledge with the Brahmanas and we associate power with the Kshatriyas. So my head has all the knowledge. You see in my head all the faculties of knowledge are. All the organs of perception, they are all in my head. That's the reason why the heavens is called the head of the Lord. In the heavens all the gods are supposed to be residing. And gods are Devatana, Devaha, the shining ones are called gods. In my head also all the Devatas and gods are there. Like the eyes, the two eyes, the two ears, the two nostrils, the one mouth. These are called these seven faculties of perception, with which I perceive everything. Also, so they are also called Saptarshaya, seven rishis. So in my head there are seven rishis, seven sages, which are the faculties of knowledge, which through which I gain variety of knowledge. Chatvaraha. Inside there is a mind that consists of the four faculties. Manaha, buddhihi, chittam, ahankaraha. Those who study Tattva-bodha or Viveka Chudamani, the mind is, performs four functions. <coughs> First function the mind performs is the function of feeling. That is called manas. Second function the mind performs is the function of knowing. That is called buddhihi. The third function is function of remembering, that is called chittam. The fourth function the mind performs is the function of asserting, identification, that is called ahankara. So manaha, buddhihi, chittam, ahankara. There are four. Lord Krishna says maharshaya, sapta, the seven maharshis, chatvaraha, 
this fourfold mind. Manavaha, the Manu. So Manu in the, our tradition they stand for, as we said, the action. So Manus are those whose job it is to maintain order, to maintain dharma, to perform dharma as The Manus stand for the power of action. Do you know that we are each one of us gifted with the threefold powers? The power to know. Second is power to will or desire. And third is the power to act. Jnana Shakti, Ichcha Shakti, Kriya Shakti. Ichcha Shakti, the power to desire, power to will, power to create. Jnana Shakti, the power to know. And Kriya Shakti, power to act. So these three powers, that's what Lord Krishna is talking about. Maharshaya. So the seven sages, or the seven faculties of knowledge, the power of knowledge. Manavaha, the Kriya Shakti, the power to act. So let us say this basic, knowledge and action, there are two things. Lord Krishna says in the beginning of this creation, by my sankalpa, by my will, I created the seven sages which stand for the knowledge and I created the fourteen manus that stand for the power of action. Mahashaya Saptapurve Chattvaro Manavastatha The four, sometimes they call it four manus or sometimes they call four and fourteen manus. Four means the four faculties of the mind and the fourteen manus. Manus are those who are in charge of governing. So, first is knowledge. The Brahmanas, they gain the knowledge of the scriptures. The Kshatriyas, they actually perform the action. So, power to know and power to act. So, Lord Krishna says, this is what were created Purve. In the beginning of creation, they were created by me. The seven sages and the Manus. Madhavaha. And these sages are endowed with knowledge. They are almost as great as omniscient beings. And the Manus are also endowed with tremendous amount of power. Because there are two things that are required in order for the creation to take place and for the creation to be sustained. The knowledge as well as power. Madhavaha. The seven sages, Madhavaha meaning, they are identified with me and therefore they possess my knowledge. So these sages, because of their meditation and yoga, they were all the time absorbed in the thoughts of God and therefore they inherited the knowledge of the God. These Manus also, because of their austerities and penance, they were also identified with God and they got the power of the Lord. So Jnana and Aishwarya, the knowledge and the power. So endowed with my knowledge, the seven sages, and endowed with my power, the fourteen Manus, they created the rest of the world. So that is the reason why in India, they will always ask you about your Gotra. Gotra means who is the original person? Everybody in India will trace their origin, their lineage to an original person, which is one of these sages. So all they are all Rushiputras, meaning that all the people, and not only in India, they would say the whole world anyway, but then, let's say maybe India was their world or the whole world, but everybody will trace their lineage to a Rushi or a sage. 
So all the beings which are there right now, all of them originated from those seven sages and the fourteen manus. Madhavaha, Manasajataha, they themselves are pure. They are because they are born of mind. They are not born of the, the union of man and woman, but they are born of my mind and therefore they are pure and they are endowed with my power of knowledge and my power of action. And from them, Himaha, Prajaha, all these sentient and insentient beings, all the beings are born of them. So in short, what Lord, Lord Krishna says, how I, from me the whole universe is created, one way of describing it is this. In different, in 7th chapter it was told in a different way, 9th chapter also it was told, but in 14th chapter when Lord Krishna is describing his vibhuti or glories, he is telling us how the whole universe has emerged from him, how he is the self of all. So how in the beginning of the creation from him, this power of knowledge, which symbolizes 7 sages, 7 sages symbolize the power of knowledge, and this 14 manus symbolize the power of action. So they were created from me and through them and the Sanat Kumara, the four sages, you know, which are the seekers of knowledge. Because there are two kinds of progeny. One is the progeny that is coming from the parents. Other is the progeny that is coming from the Guru. So there is another parampara. Another parampara means another lineage of what we call the teacher and the disciple. So teacher imparts the knowledge to his disciple, he imparts the knowledge to his disciple and that is how we have another progeny like. So one progeny is from the parents to the children, other progeny is from the guru to the shishya. That is very important. So Sanat Kumaras, so Sanat Kumaras is our sages are all married people. Therefore their progenies are in the usual way. But Sanat Kumaras, they stand for the dispassion, vairagya and jnanam, the knowledge, and their progeny is of the nature of the jnana parampara. Jnana parampara means the lineage of knowledge. So here, Arjuna, all that you find in the universe is nothing but the manifestation of my power of knowledge, my power of my power of action. That's all. What are we, in fact, are nothing but manifesting what? The power of the knowledge as well as action. And where does it come from? The knowledge comes from the sages, the power of action comes from the manus. And where does that come from? Lord Krishna says that they were my creation. That means I first manifested myself as the seven sages and the, and the fourteen manus and the four sanatkumanas and from them came all these living creatures. And that's why the whole creation that you see is nothing but my manifestation. Like a great grandfather can say, you know in, in our family sometimes we draw the tree Sometimes people, they, they, they ask their elders and go all the way to some seven generations and then they start. So here is the head of the family and from there all this tree. You may have hundreds and hundreds of grand and great grandchildren and great 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 grandchildren. He can say, all of this is my manifestation. Is it not so? He has in fact, he has in fact manifested or he has expanded. Is my vistara. Sometimes they use the word vistara. Vistara means what? It is nothing but my extension. So this one can say, all of this is nothing but my extension, my glory, my vibhuti. Vibhuti also means becoming many. He can say, I have become all of this. Because father alone born, is born as son, and he alone born as his son. He is born as his son. And that's how that one alone gets reflected. Similarly, all of us are what? Nothing but the children of the sages. 
And who are they? Nothing but the children of God. And therefore, who are all of us? Nothing but the manifestation of God. The extension of the Lord. Lord says in this manner, I extend myself as a whole universe consisting of the living beings who are mobile and immobile. Two kinds of creatures are there, like trees etc. are immobile creatures and this are mobile creatures, Thava and Jangaman. Madhavaha, Manasajataha, Yesham, Lokai, Mahaprajaha. And so, this is how Lord says, I am manifest as the external creation. The earlier verses said, how I am manifest as the internal creation of thoughts and feelings. And these verses, how I am manifest as the whole external creation. And therefore, wherever you see power, there is manifestation of my power. Wherever you see any knowledge, there is manifestation of my knowledge. I am the very source of all the knowledge and all the power and that alone manifests as this whole universe. So it's very beautiful. Even if you trace in a scientific way also, ultimately, in a, although symbolically they may talk of seven sages, etc. But what the sages stand for is nothing but knowledge. And then also what the Manu stand for is nothing but the power. And so the ability to know and ability to act, that alone becomes the whole universe. So that your Lord Krishna says, this is nothing but my manifestation, my becoming many. <coughs> and this is what we have to know. So seventh verse tells us, Etam vibhutim yogam cha, etam vibhutim yogam cha, mama yoveti tattvataha, mama yoveti tattvataha, sovikampena yogena, so we come yogena, yujjate natra samshaya, yujjate natra samshaya. Etam vibhutim, this glory, vibhuti, the word is vibhuti, vi plus bhuti. Bhu means to be or to become. Bhu saktayam, who in the sense of becoming. We means vividhena bhavanam, becoming, becoming many. So one becoming many is called vibhuti. One manifesting as many is called vibhuti. Glory, manifestation. Like we only, what we call rasa or the taste, that very taste manifests itself as sour, as sweet, as different kinds of taste. One sound manifests different kinds of musical notes. And thus one thing manifesting as many, this is called vibhuti. Lord Krishna says, the whole universe is my vibhuti, my glory, my manifestation. That means it is all my extension. It is nothing but my manifestation. Etam vibhuti. So one who knows me as a self of all, he first of all manifested the rishis as the manus and they manifested the whole universe. That means he is the self of all, just as the gold is the self of all the ornaments, or the clay is the self of all the parts. So also Lord Krishna says, I am the self of all the beings. Etanam vibhutim, this vibhuti, this glory, this majesty of mine, this extension, this manifestation of mine, one who knows. That means one who knows me has manifested as the whole universe. Yogamcha. What is yoga? Yoga is my ability or my power. So, yoga is samarthya. Samarthya means the capacity to do things. The capacity to create, the capacity to sustain, the capacity to dissolve. 
the omniscient, omnipotent, all these powers that are there is called yoga. And that same omniscience is manifest in the universe as a knowledge of occurring all the buddhis. So Lord is omniscience, that is called yoga. And how that omniscience manifests in various ways is called vibhuti. So how the omniscience of the Lord, the knowledge that the Lord is, is manifest as the knowledge in all the beings. Omnipotent. Lord is yoga, means he is omnipotent. The omnipotence of the Lord, or all power of the Lord alone, is manifest as a power obtaining in all the beings. So that's called yoga. Arjuna, one who understands, etam vibhutim yogam chaya. Who, who knows my vibhuti, knows my manifestation outside and inside. Yogam, my capacity. A yoga also can mean my true nature. One knows my true nature. Mama yo vetti tattvataha. One knows tattvataha. As I am, one knows. Now see, if one knows the Lord in this way, if one recognizes that all the external world with which I interact is nothing but manifestation of Lord, and one also recognizes that my internal world consisting of my thoughts and feelings and emotions are also nothing but the Lord. Then can I ever go away from Lord? Then I need not, you know, then the question is, the question, sometimes the question is where is God? But according to this the question will be what? Where is it that God is not? Is it not so? But Swami, all the snakes, that is all. You see, if you listen to the, if you read the description of creation from the Prajapatis, all these creatures came from them. And therefore, all the living beings, all living beings manifest knowledge and power. What else do they manifest? Oh, Lord Krishna says, all that is something about my extension, my manifestation. Those who recognizes me is that. And so this simple way of recognizing God, what we call Saguna Brahma, or what we call the Godless attributes. That, so if you don't have what we call the likes and dislikes, if I don't have any demand of how a thing should be, how God should be, suppose I don't have any idea, any insistence on how God should be. If I have an open mind to recognize Lord as Lord Krishna says here, then wherever I see manifestation of knowledge, hey, this is God. Wherever I see manifestation of power, energy, that is God. Is it not so? So even when I see a snake, oh, snake also represents some power, that's God. He also represents some knowledge, that's God. So Swamiji, this is a thief, he represents also some knowledge, that's God. He also represents some power, that's also God. But the murderer also represents knowledge and power. What else is it? What else is there in the whole universe other than basically knowledge and power? What else is there? That very knowledge and power alone takes different forms, is it not so? And therefore all the forms are nothing but the vehicles for the manifestation of this fundamental God, which is nothing but knowledge and power, jnana and kriya. So this is all Lord with attributes. So one who knows me as such. Inside me also, every thought represents knowledge. Good, bad or indifferent, what does it matter? Oh, Swamiji, but this is a bad thought. Suppose I don't brand the thoughts as good and bad, I just call them thoughts. Then every thought is manifestation of God, as you just said. Suppose I don't brand anything as good and bad. I don't brand anything as acceptable, non-acceptable. I don't brand anything at all. I have such an open mind that everything is fine, let us say. Everything is in order. 
because everything is manifestation of omniscience, understand? It is omniscience of God, all knowledge of God that alone is manifest to the universe, that's the reason why everything must be fine. If I don't find something all right, there is perhaps limitation of my understanding rather than something that is not right. And thus to be able to see that knowledge, omniscience, that intelligence, which alone is called order also, that very order, that's intelligence, or that omniscience, and that all power, that alone manifests all the names and forms, sentient and insentient, whatever there is, is thus to recognize that as manifestation of Lord. And to recognize myself also, my thoughts, my power, my knowledge, my energy also, as recognizing them also, is nothing but manifestation of Lord. Etam vibhutim yogam Vibhuti is when I am functioning or interacting with the world outside. Yoga is when samadhi, when I am with myself. When I am with myself, I know myself as manifestation of God. When I am with the world, I know the world also is manifestation of God. Tatvataha, this one who knows me as I am. Saha adhikampena yogena yujyate. Here, Juna, he gets united with me. In what way? Avikampena yogena, unshaken yoga. Yoga means union. Avikampena yogena, unshaken or unswerving union with the Lord. So this devotee of mine is united with me in an unswerving way. He can never be away from me. If God is confined to a given place, then I can be united only when I am in that place. If God is confined to Samadhi, let us say, then I can be united with God only when I am in Samadhi. Nirvikalpa Samadhi, then I can be united with God only when He is Nirvikalpa. Fortunately, God is all Kalpa. Sakasadi Kalpa also He is. Everything He is. That being the case, this devotee doesn't have to do anything except recognizing God as manifest as everything, outside and inside. Avikampena Yogena, He gets united with me with an unswerving union. Natra Samshaya Yarjuna, there is no doubt about that. There is no doubt necessarily, because it makes sense, because what is outside, what is inside, what is I, what is subject, what is object, everything nothing but manifestation of Lord. And when it is known that way, I become united with Him in an unswerving way. <coughs> because we get swerved, we get distracted, we get deviated. When we have a certain idea of God, then as long as that idea is satisfied, I am with God. When that idea is not satisfied, I am not with God. So when I say God is only kindness, let us say. Moment I find the unkind, I am upset. I say God is all everything that is good. When I find something bad, I get upset. Lord Krishna says, no such idea. Whatever it is, is I. Whatever it is, is I. But Swamiji, this quality, whatever it is, is I. Whatever it is, is manifestation of my omniscience and my omnipotence. <coughs> Where I do not understand, I give him the benefit of doubt, as I said. That's the only way to do. Just to recognize his glory in everything. And that this devotee can never be, he will be united with an unswerving union with the Lord. He will never be away from him. This has been said earlier also, the sixth chapter also it was said. Tasyahamna pranashyami, satyamena pranashyari. He never goes out of my sight, I never go out of his sight. Lord Krishna is one who knows me, I never go out of his side because wherever is Sarvam Brahma Upanishadam. Sarvam Upanishadam Brahma, whatever is nothing but Brahma, God alone. Maham Brahma Nirakuryam, there is a prayer. Mama Brahma Nirakaro. 
Sarvam Brahma Upanishadam. Whatever it is, the Upanishadam Brahma, Brahman that is revealed by Upanishads, that alone is everything. Maham Brahma Nirakuryam. May I not ignore or be indifferent to Brahma? Mama Brahma Nirakarod. May Lord of Brahman also not ignore me. That is, may it never go out of my sight, may it never go out of its sight. So we compare Yogena, Jujjati Natasamshaya. And this is the description of Lord's glory. Of course, he is going to make it simpler than that, but this is how it begins in what we call the Vibhuti Yoga. Okay. Om Purnamadav Purnamidam Purnat Purnamurachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamevavashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashyakrita Vande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvara Gururatmedi Murti Bheda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha